Well, hello, I want to welcome everybody to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where our weekly goal is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to our everyday lives and just to see him magnified and to make sense out of life and to promote the biblical worldview that we embrace as the most superior, awesome worldview that changes everything. And uh, I know you're a big proponent of that. In fact, let me introduce you to this person (laughs) next to me. Uh, I'm so excited uh, as we have guests come in who are not just uh, guests, but special friends that God brings you know to us here at Living Stones. Uh, we're so honored to have uh, Pastor Keith Tusi, who is our apostolic overseer for the network of related pastors. He also personally is our network overseer or Living Stones overseer, uh, providing friendship, counsel, wisdom uh, from decades of ministry service. You have you have quite the resume. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yes, you do. Quite the resume. I thought it was called a rap sheet. I thought it was called a rap sheet. <laughs> well, this this must not be the rap sheet. I know that's much longer. Well, <laughs> uh, let me give some of you might not know Pastor Keith, and I want to make sure I introduce you to him properly. Uh, he has served in a variety of ministerial roles, including pastor. He's been a church planner. He's been a missionary. In fact, we were talking about some of his missionary exploits in Russia before we uh, went on on live here. Uh, but what I love about Pastor Keith, he has been a prominent voice, not just in the local church uh, and regionally, but nationally, uh, a major spokesperson for the unborn and for the pro-life movement. Um, but just uh, uh, when it comes to biblical worldview, he has been someone who has been engaged and articulate. And, uh, and I just have to tell you from a, a, a man that's a, a few years behind you, uh, you have been somebody that I've really admired, looked up to, studied, uh, you know, just uh, uh, wanted to uh, glean as much as I could from you and have tried that over the years. So I just really appreciate your life, your legacy. He's married to a beautiful lady named Penny. They have eight children. And, um, and again, just so appreciate you being on podcast. Well, it's today. always good to be here at Living Stones. Amen. I wanted, you know, I talked to a number of people. I said, what would you ask Pastor Keith, you know, to talk about? And uh, my wife, who is a big voice in my life, she said, I want to know how Pastor Keith got from where he started from to where he is now. And I, and I was thinking about that. I think this is really helpful for, for us to realize, you know, in our early days or days when maybe we have um, uh, challenging beginnings, which you had and many people have, um, that God's hand is still on our lives. You know, there's that sovereign, providential hand of God. And mm-hmm. and you, you know, you did not come from a pastor's family, everything perfect, uh, just the opposite. You had some serious, serious challenges to overcome. So tell us a little bit about growing up on the streets of uh, Pittsburgh. Well, I always tell people that, you know, we were a dysfunctional family before it was popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were prophetic in that <laughs> yeah. sense. You know, we, we were... We were that family, you know, wow. that like, don't go out with that guy, you right. know, type Watch of those thing. People. Yeah, you know, my mother was a very broken person. My father had left when we were children, and she was married. Uh, ended up, she was actually married six times before she passed away. Wow. So it was a revolving door of chaos and brokenness. You know, there were five kids in the house with three different last names. And, oh, my word. You know, so it was it was trying, you know. And I left home when I was like 14 years old. I finally had had enough of the craziness and uh, kind of just lived on the street and made my way, you know, bounced around living here and there wherever I could until, you know, such a time as, uh, you know, I could take care of myself uh, a little more fully. Uh, and that's really how I met the Lord. I, I was on the street. I was 18 years old, 
and we hung out in the projects there, and these people came out to preach the gospel. Yeah. You know, and and I'd never this uh, people need to hear this. I was a, I had never heard the gospel, to my knowledge. Growing I mean, up in America, I, yeah, never. I mean, I know our eyes are darkened. There may have been somebody that witnessed to me that I don't remember, but I can tell you this: we never had a Christian friend. We never had a Christian neighbor. We were never invited to church. Wow. wow. Okay. And so that summer, that whole period, they just began coming every weekend and and preaching to us and befriending us. And, yeah. you know, and it was, Ron, they, they might as well have been speaking Greek. I mean, I because I knew absolutely nothing about God, the Bible, eternity, the world. I mean, I was just an angry guy with a chip on my shoulder. I was an accident looking for a place to happen. Mm. But the good news penetrated my heart, yeah. and uh, I remember one day, you know, they, you know, they, you know, the new life, new creation, new mercies, and I just said to them, I said, you know, all this new stuff is great. I said, I wish I had the faith to believe this. Wow. I, I said, I really, I said, I'm just, I just wish I could believe it. And they said, Ephesians two eight nine, you're saved by grace through faith, that not yourselves, it's a gift of God. Yeah. If you're sincere, God will open your heart. Wow. And I said, really? I said, that's all. I said, I, I, I said, I'd like to have the kind of faith you have. So you wanted what they were, se- were selling, but you couldn't figure out how to connect the dots. I had no, I had no currency. I had no yeah. faith currency. Yeah. And I just said, God, with my eyes open, because I didn't go to church. I didn't know you're supposed to act holy, you know. <laughs> so I just said, God, if you are, yeah, who Where? they say you are, here I am. Wow. And, and God met you. And I got in the birth canal. Yeah, I wasn't born again then, but I got in the birth canal. I started getting convicted of my sin. I started feeling bad about my own behavior, which was something that hadn't happened before in my life. And yeah, so through all that tragedy and all that brokenness, you know, God still was able to get the gospel to me. So I just want to say too, just a little comma here. Uh, You might be watching here, and this might be news to you. Maybe you're watching us on Facebook or online. You just happen to stumble upon this. But, you know, the good news of the gospel is just as God met you, you didn't have any uh, anywhere to hang all these concepts. You didn't, weren't raised as a Christian. You didn't know what you're no. supposed to do. Shut your eyes, pray this prayer. But but you just were real. I mean, you just cried out to God, yeah. and God is real, and God met you yes. right, right at your point of Me, faith. the most unlikely person. So, you know, you I encourage someone watching here today, cry out to the Lord, say, God, I need to know you, I, yeah. I, and, and submit your life to him and, and yeah. watch the he, supernatural power of God. Yeah, the, this, the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. And, and my whole motivation for ministry has been, if God will do this for me, he'll do this for anybody. Because I was the least qualified the least candidate, the least, I was just the least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was an accident looking for a place to happen, and I was happening pretty frequently at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did that happen? I mean, did you, someone came to, into the neighborhood where you were at? And- yeah, there were some mothers in the project that were, uh, they were actually Catholic ladies that started <laughs> hanging around a charismatic church on Sunday nights. Yeah. And they ran into the Holy Spirit, or the Holy yeah. Spirit ran into them, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Pitch, Pittsburgh was like a, a, a beehive of activity as far as the Catholic charismatic movement, yes. right? I mean, there was yes. a great move of Pittsburgh God. was the catalyst yeah. of that. Yeah, so you got some yeah. of the overflow Duquesne, of what the Holy Duquesne Spirit... University was was the spark of that, and these people were radically impacted. And they had power in their life. They had joy in their life. They yeah. had fruit in their life. They didn't know a whole lot. They were just learning the scriptures. But they decided that uh, we weren't going to go to hell without them trying to stop us. Wow. 
And we called them the kook group. You know? <laughs> They'd come out. I mean, honestly, you know, I was this wild-eyed 18-year-old drug-infested, you know, accident. And, and they were the best entertainment in town. <laughs> the kook group. I mean, they were like, wow. You know, look at them, you know. I, the, the lady that was really the ringleader, her name was Jeannie, you know. <laughs> and, and she said to me one day, and I just went by, everybody just called me by my last name, Tusi. You know, Tusi. She said, Tusi, I got a song from the Lord. I said, a song from who? From a he, I, he, I said, he gives songs? Like, I'm picturing sheet music falling out of heaven. I mean, I'm ignorant. I don't know anything. I'm just like, he gives, I mean, literally, I got this vision of sheet music. And she, and she just starts singing this song of the Lord. You know, I'm like, this is, you don't get this on TV. You know what I mean? So we, we call in the coot group, but you know, it got to be after a few months of this, we were like, it's Friday night, where are they at? You know, like, like, yeah, like I mean, we were in our lawn chairs, you know, we're waiting for them. Like, we're, we're, you didn't have a big budget for entertainment yeah, anyway. Exactly. Yeah, we were drinking our, our entertainment, you know. And uh, but, but, it, but they were full of the Lord. They, they loved, loved Jesus. They, loved they the were Lord. glowing and they were excited about the Bible and uh, you and know, they, they, showed up. they showed up. They just didn't go away. You know, we mocked them and criticized them and yep. You know, and then eventually that turned into admiration, you know, like. Yeah, like, they keep coming back They keep more. coming back. Yeah, yeah, there's not <laughs> a lot of people that came back, you know. But, but I think at some point they communi- certainly convinced you that, hey, these folks have a genuine, genuine concern for me personally. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, I wasn't, that was pretty obvious. I mean, I just thought they were crazy. Yeah. But I thought they were crazy sincere. Yeah. So there, there was no doubt about that because I could see, you know, how they interacted and what they did. And their life circumstances were not good either, you know, for the most of them. I mean, yeah. one of the women, her husband was a real, yeah. you know, interesting fellow to say the least. The other lady was a, uh, a widow. Her husband had died tragically. Yeah. The, you know, they, and it, they all had their own stories, you know. And, and you've seen this over the year, years of ministry. Isn't it true that the Lord uses sometimes the most unlikely People, but people who are available. Uh, oh, and and I just, again want to encourage our audience. You don't don't ever disqualify yourself. Exactly. Like you came from the wrong side of the tracks. Oh, Pastor or, Ron, you know that that is such, and, and and that's one of the reasons I love Living Stones and what's happening here is that 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 spirit is like nobody's disqualified. God wants yeah. to use everybody, Amen. and and you know you guys are paving a way for anybody that wants to be used by God, and that that is just so important. And really, that's what the enemy wants to do. When we're facing hardships in our life as believers, whether it's just personal, you know, things that are going on in our life or circumstantial challenges, the the enemy's job is try to convince us to disqualify ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, number one, I never qualified myself, so that's easy. I've been qualified <laughs> by the Spirit of God. Amen. You know Amen. what I mean? So, so that, that argument doesn't work too good with me, so I'm just trusting God and and that's the same mentality we've got to have. It's yeah. it's the Lord Jesus that qualified us through the cross, and that isn't going away, so I'm not going to shut up. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think of just when we look back at the journey God takes us on, so here you got a, a street kid who gets encountered with a bunch of Catholics who just got baptized in the Holy <laughs> Spirit, who, were, who weren't perfect themselves, and they look kooky, but God's working through all of this, and he encounters you. I mean, you have a genuine encounter oh, yeah. with Jesus. And oh, yeah. So talk about that and, and the trajectory, because I know as soon as you met the Lord, you were all in. Yeah. Well, you know, so there was about, uh, uh, there was a period of time there, about a week especially, where I was just really 
beginning to now I know it was the presence of God. The Holy Spirit was convicting me. And I remember I lived by myself. And I remember going home one night when I had turned down some sin opportunities, which yep. it, I wasn't good at. I was pretty right. much a sin opportunist. Yeah. And I remember looking in the mirror and saying to myself out loud, you're losing it. Something, something is happening. Wow. And, uh, you know, but then that conviction of my sin and how lost I was, not just my circumstances being bad. Yeah. But right. they really preach to me about righteousness yeah. and sin, not just God wants to, you know, get you off drugs. God wants you to, you know, have a happy life. And, and I think God does. Yeah. Okay. But they went after the sin issue with me. Yeah. And I got convicted of my sin. And then, so when I, then I said to them one day, I said, okay, I, I guess we got to go to church now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, connect the dots. Oh, like I didn't, I didn't, and, and they knew it was interesting. They knew they couldn't take me to the Catholic Church, and they never went back. My deliverance was their deliverance. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And because uh, their hearts really wasn't there, they yeah. They, yeah. they they didn't know how. But, well, but they because, experienced the baptism of the Spirit, yes, and there was a hunger yeah. for more. And, yeah. So they took me to where they were getting watered. You know, and thank God it was a great church, strong word ministry, uh, terrific pastor. And, uh, you know, they, they loved on me and embraced me and, and encouraged me. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of that in my life. So that was, that was like fresh bread. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so, so the church became a nurturing place for you. I mean, like a family. Oh, oh absolutely. You were loved and cared for. Yes. And, and I remember, I'd love for you to tell this story because it always touches me, but uh, your pastor took special interest in you. And, he did. And he gave you an assignment. Yeah, uh, the assignment of with the van and share yeah. that story because I, I again I love the way you know you just start off doing what needs to be done. Yeah, and, I mean I just people. started you know I was at church if the doors were open I, I was there I was hungry and I was like I said I was being loved and encouraged and that was probably a lot of the motivation that I wasn't even aware of because it was just it was just like eating something so you know that you had never had before yeah. like free ice cream yeah. you know what I mean absolutely <laughs> so I'm going back for more and after some period of time was about a year. He approached me and said, hey, I'd like you to uh, uh, pray about taking the church van and picking up. We've got a group of elderly ladies whose husbands have passed away, you know, a group of widows, and, and picking them up for church in the morning. Well, number one, the fact that anybody would give me the keys to anything <laughs> was... <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a normal... <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a normal... Matter of fact, our kind of operation was we took things without yeah, keys. You stole keys. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I literally lost it and started weeping. What, what was touching your heart? Was it because someone just, believed in you or just because it was the opportunity to serve or what was it? I, the thing that I remember, Pastor Ron, there was probably a lot of emotion in it, but the thing I remember, the, the, the thought that God would use me, to me that was a big deal, that God would use me. Because I knew some of these ladies he, he was talking about, it, and they were godly women. And, I, and their husbands, although I didn't know them because they had all passed away, there was a whole group of them. They were like legends in the church. You right. know, they, right. Those guys would come out there and, you know, you know, they lifted up the beams single-handedly and built the building, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know totally. they, you know, paid for the missionaries, and you know, I mean, th th these were working-class people, yeah. but they were they were legends in that church. You know, I heard stories about their husbands, and here are these dear ladies, and they became my prayer support for years of ministry. Wow. And years later, I would become the associate pastor of that church after we went out and planted a church. And I would, some of those women were still alive. I mean, they were in their late 90s, 
and I would be, go to their home and serve them communion. Oh, my word. Is that unbelievable? That's awesome. That is well, unbelievable. I love the, you know, only the Lord knows where the trajectory of your life, but who, who could have imagined it simply being, first of all, I remember you saying how excited you were and what a privilege it was. And I think sometimes in our local church, you know, you get, you've seen this over the years. People come in, they're looking for the platform, they want the title, they want the office, whatever. Um, but there's something powerful about just saying, Pastor, what do you need me to do? Oh, Where can I serve? Oh, I mean, driving the van, I thought I was Billy Graham. Yeah. I didn't know who Billy Graham was then, but I thought I was him. I mean, really, you're going to give me the keys, and you're going to let me help these you know, these, these little ladies get in the van, and, and then I'm going to hang around after they fellowship with their people and make sure they get home safe. Yeah, and, yeah. But only the and, Lord would have known that, that these ladies were probably partly responsible for birthing Oh, all of God oh, listen, they, they would, they're praying for you. Oh, they would lay hands on me and pray for me in tongues, and they were radicals. <laughs> I mean, they were they were wild. You know, this whole oh, group. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so you become you go through street kid, come to know the Lord, get loved on, serve wherever you can. When did you realize? Hey, I think there's a calling on my life to serve God's people. You know, the, it, I got to tell you, it was pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea what that looked like. I never imagined myself being a pastor. I just thought <laughs> yeah. I would never. Well, since yeah. you've never been to church, it probably <laughs> was hard to come yeah. conceive of that. It, exactly. I mean, that's pretty rough around the edges, you know what I mean? So I never pictured myself like as a suit and tie guy right, and, right. you know, these and thous and that kind of deal. Uh, so I never pictured myself as that, but I felt like God was tugging at my heart. I thought, well, maybe I can go and help poor people or, yeah, you know, do something. build buildings or fix cars or, you know, do something for God. And, and, I, and I, you know, I went away to Bible college and I really struggled academically because I wasn't trained yeah. well. You know, I always right. tell, you know, this is a true story of my principal when I graduated, which I really didn't, but they gave me a diploma. <laughs> they wanted you out of there. Right. He literally <laughs> said to me, I'll give you this if you promise not yeah. to come back. That was, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was, that was education. And Okay. So a little, a little comma here. Okay. So here, cause this is, again, it's amazing to me how God, uh, yeah. how God fills in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because of the revolving door in your home or lack mm-hmm. thereof, you're on the streets at 14. Uh, obviously, it's hard to get a quality education when all that's going on. But my wife and I were just talking about this uh, this morning. And she said, you know, Pastor Keith, when he teaches, and any of you that have, have been around Pastor Keith or heard him share a minister here at Living Stones or other places, you realize there's such a depth of wisdom and anointing and, and secondarily, the ability to articulate it. Um, how does that happen to a kid who's 14 years old on the streets and probably missed a few classes along the way? I, I quit school so often that the one time they said, listen, when you quit, don't even tell us next time. <laughs> yeah, don't Because t- then it's a full out paperwork. <laughs> so every time I get in trouble, I just say, I quit, and I'd walk out the door. We're going to expel you. I quit. You fly. I quit. I mean, I quit all the time. I, I, I probably quit six or seven times in my junior year, you know. So how does I, how does that happen? I mean, because I, I, I've... You know, I've sat under your ministry. I've heard the revelation that you share. Uh, obviously, your ability to work with the scriptures. I mean, how did, how's that happen? You know, that's a mystery to me. If you've... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing I do tell people is I said, I, I, I was not a good student. I was not in a good academic. But course, it wasn't your fault. When you're, well, I don't know about that. But I, I mean, I, we, we were changing schools all the time. I was in nine schools by the time I was in seventh grade. Wow. You know, because of the family disruption. But somehow... I learned how to read. I learned how to read. Somewhere. And so when I got saved, I read the Bible. Yeah. 
I read the Bible, and what's really interesting is somebody asked me not too long ago about like, well, what did you read when you were first saved? And I look back at that and I thought, that's what affected me. I, this is, these are books I read like yeah. a year into my salvation. I read The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer. Yep. I read The Gulag Archipelago by oh. Ang the, <laughs> Alexander Snotsalitsyn. I can't even say his yeah. name. Yeah, but I read a, I read Mere a, Christianity by C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Any of you that are watching, these are some not light reads, all right? Yeah, these, these and here some... I'm reading them, and I'm like, you know, six, eight months in the Lord. But these are the things that form me, and they awoke an intellect in me that I didn't, because I was told all my life I was stupid, you'll never amount to anything, you'll fail at everything, you, you know, you're an idiot, you're, you know, and I was a lot of those things. I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was not like these people were operating by faith to tell me that, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> but there was something in me, and, and, and I tell guys all the time, listen, if, if, if you're interested in something, read, pick up, mm. you know, just begin to read. And you know, I think there's such a world of, of knowledge there. That, that, that's part of the process of like showing up. Like, you know, we know God can do the supernatural, but yeah. you had to like grab a book and open it. Yeah. And then sometimes people cry out and say, Lord, help me understand what I'm reading. Or even when you read the Bible, Lord, help me understand your word. Holy Spirit, help me. I mean, he is our advocate, our helper. Yeah. But but that was your part. Uh, God's part was to awaken the fire. Your part was to, to pursue the Lord at that point. Oh, and I had some wild questions when I was reading the Bible, because <laughs> you got to remember, I had no, oh, yeah, no I had no reference, which in some places was good, because yeah. I wasn't predisposed to anything. Right. If you read it, hey, it I, says I read it. like, this is what this says. And, you know, I hear people say, and I say, well, why doesn't it say that if that's what it means? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why is this so? I thought, I thought the common people heard him gladly. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's good. So <laughs> pro and con there. Yeah, yeah. But there you, was. I had one professor in college that said I was the easiest person they ever had to teach because I, I had nothing to unteach. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that was a compliment when she said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I when it comes to the things of God, I think it's a huge compliment yeah. because sometimes our preconceived notions about the Lord or about yeah. what this really means or what our traditions say yeah. get in the way of God really moving. But you, uh, again, I just say this to the glory of God and to the encouragement of our audience, but you have been before... Uh, so, uh, court justices, federal courts, district courts, you've defended yourself as you got involved in standing right. up for the unborn. My point is, this is for God to take a street kid and and put words in his mouth and wisdom yeah. in his head to be able to speak before people at that level. And, uh, and It's to, amazing to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a sign and a wonder. But, it, it's but again, a sign that's, and a wonder. that's the way God works and uh, and pursue him and let him you know fulfill the calling that, that you have on your life. So fast forward that, um, you have a huge heart for uh, justice issues. I mean, I would, consider, I would consider your ministry prophetic in the sense of not... Uh, thus saith the Lord, um, you know, gifts of spirit prophetic, mm -hmm. but prophetic in terms of what is what God is doing, sensing what God is doing. Mm -hmm. um, I love the way you have a sense of bulldog-like tenacity. You know, it, I was cracking up because when you kept saying, I quit, I quit, I quit. <laughs> You're one person that I nowadays... Post what Jesus has done, I would never hear those words yeah. come out of your mouth because you're not a quitter in anything. Uh, you've been willing to take some stands along the way. How you know? I'm curious because I know you've had a, a huge uh, impact in the pro-life movement, and of course, Living Stones is that's something near and dear to our heart as well. Uh, how did all that get started? What was what was the beginnings of that? And uh... well, the second church we started, 
there was a move among a lot of college students, and that that became our base to grow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were first, they were coming to Christ. And a lot of the young ladies were post-abortive. Mm -hmm. And they started sharing their testimonies with yeah. me. And by that time, I was pro-life intellectually. Uh, but, I, you know, like one guy said, I, I, I was pro-life by conviction, but I was pro-choice by default. Right. Because I, I, I had no idea what to do with that. Right. But then the Lord just began to work on my heart, and, you know, I began to speak out. And by this time now in my life, my my relationship with my mother is restored. Wow. You know, the last 10 years, she got born again. The last 10 years of her life, we had a great relationship. And uh, I was living out of state, and I would fly through Pittsburgh, where our family was from, and I would spend the night with her from time to time. And we were sitting up late talking one night, and she said, well, you know, I have something I really need to tell you about. And I said, well, she goes, you know, when you were, you know, a baby, when you were in utero, mm -hmm. you know, the doctors really tried to get me to abort you because of some problems we were having. And, and honestly, I think the doctors probably looked at our family, to be honest with you, too, sure. you know. And I asked her, I said, well, well, well Mom, why, why, didn't, why didn't you do that? It seemed like, you know, in today's culture, like the reasonable thing to do. She goes, you know. And my mother was not a religious person, right. you know, yeah. you know, until she got saved. You know, we didn't go to church and things yeah. like that. Uh, she wasn't a person that shook her fist at God. She just had no faith. Right. And she said, well, abortion was just such a dirty word. I remember her saying that. Mm -hmm. It was just, such, I, can, I can look at her, I can hear her saying that. Mm -hmm. It was just such a dirty word. And I thought, God, you really saved me for this. Wow. This, your hand is really on me for this. Right, right. And then it was just kind of a snowball. I mean, I didn't plan anything. I just made myself available. One thing led to another, and then I'm the only guy left standing or something when the cameras are rolling type, type you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't orchestrate it, and and so that's where the voice came from, I guess. And, and then we did practical things as a local church, you know, to really help. Uh, you know, single moms and, and women in the crises. Yeah. You know, I always say that, you know, the, the choice thing is such a lie. You stand in front of abortion clinic and you look at the eyes of women going in there. None of those women are going there by choice. They're going in there because they feel like they don't have a choice. Right. Or somebody so, else is making that choice for them. Yes, exactly. They, it's been taken. Go. So we've got to help them yeah. uh, with a way of escape. So that's how that's how that all happened. And just to jump in here again, I, I, I'm amazed at how the, the providence of God many times touches us with a life calling from something we have been touched with, you know, here you, what, what, you know, what would your, what would the world be like without Keith Tusi, your life, and not to, not in a flattery way, but, you know, Pastor Keith has touched thousands and thousands of lives and continues to oversee all the churches in our network and provide insight and love, care, counsel, uh, your beautiful family, your wife. I mean, all, all of that gone um, if a, a mom doesn't make uh, the right choice. And again, I just believe God's hand was on uh, Pastor Keith's life, but I say that just to anybody who's watching going, you know, what about me? Or I've had this happen or this painful thing, or I, I got a similar family life. Yes. You know, it's crazy how the Lord will use uh, those areas that the devil has meant to harm us or destroy us, and God will take those and turn that into a, a powerful ministry, a powerful anointing. And not to mention all the the babies, you know, yes. that you and others that you've trained have impacted to save their lives. So it's just, it's amazing to see uh, how, the power of a choice. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Incredible to see. So uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit here. We only have a little bit of time left, but 
Um, what do you see God doing now, you know, in our, in our nation? I, I, the word that I keep hearing, people are kind of sick of I am, but it, I guess it defines unprecedented. You know, this really is unprecedented. We've never been here with the COVID thing and all the, the, the divide that's happening in our mm-hmm. nation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even all the social issues like abortion, marriage and family. I mean, there's just so much going on in America. Um, what do you see happening? What would you share to somebody watching as far as, uh, uh, you know, the unique times in which we're living and how do we how do we respond? I mean, what counsel would you give us? Well, I think what is happening is that the wheat and the chaff are being separated. And it's not in the world, it's in the church. Mm-hmm. Years ago, Pastor Ron, probably 25 years ago, uh, I've been in ministry about 40 years now, 41 years. And about probably 25 years ago, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, when I move the church today that, that I'm going to build, that what I'm doing will be as will be as different, the charismatic church, the full gospel church, mm-hmm. will be as different today from the average full gospel church that it, that it is today from the denominational world. Sure. When, when you had that outpouring, it was yes. such a radical difference. Right. You're saying it's going to be There's There's going to be another separation. <clears throat> and we're seeing that separation. Yeah. And that separation maybe might masquerade itself about style and, and you know, image and, you know, those type of things, but it really is about substance. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus Lord and King of his church? Is it his church? Yeah. It's his church. It's not our church. Right. We don't get to choose what we do at church. And we've got to work and pray and figure out, like, how do we do it? Right. Lead. But, but what is clear? How, you know, is a little more complicated. But when there are certain people in the church world that say, we're not going to preach about this, or we're not going to address this, or we're not going to speak up on this, they're saying they are not part of the church. Because to be part of the church, you have to buy in. You're the bride. You know, you are what God is jealous of. So I think the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing and he's separating the wheat and the chaff. And we're going to look back in another generation, another decade, not even a generation from now, and we're going to see churches that claim to be full gospel or were full gospel, and they're going to be as irrelevant as some of the liberal denominational churches have become, and they're going to be empty, and they're going to be gone. Yeah. And some of those churches today are being held up as models. But what they're preaching is not in the Bible. There's a self, what I call the self-improvement gospel. Uh, great biblical principles, but applied to you instead right. of applied to him. So you and I become the center of we the become gospel the center. instead of the Lord being the yeah. center of the it's gospel. It's humanism with a few Bible verses sprinkled yeah. in. Yeah. So that is really what's happening, and, and God is separating that. And for the leaders, you know, the pastoral leaders that have courage to come forth, I, I, I believe that God will honor them and that he will cause them by by little or by few, to have great influence. The size of the church, I wouldn't say would be irrelevant, but it won't be the final determining factor as to how their voice penetrates that neighborhood and that, that right. community. We're, we're looking for potency more than we're looking for, you know, exactly. breath, or yes. how many people. But the, the potency of the message, the presence of God, you know, I think you and I both learned uh, in, in pastoring, the Lord has a way of, of hammering even immaturity selfishness out of us you know one of the big shifts for me was just you know again realizing let me just love the people that are coming out on sunday they're not mine they're the lord's it's yes. his church 
And I'm not here to build a ministry. I'm here to build people. I'm here to love people. I'm here yeah. to point people to yes. Jesus. It's Jesus Church. The mm-hmm. service is about Jesus. The you know the Bible. I don't get mm-hmm. to pick and choose the messaging right. of the Bible. Oh, we don't we don't like to talk about these sexual ethics that are so uncomfortable to yes. deal with today. Oh, we're not going to talk about those. Well, guess what? You can't pick and choose. We can't pick and choose. It's it's the full gospel. It's the full counsel of God. Yeah. You know, I had an experience. I was doing a pastor's meeting in a certain state, and I was really challenging the pastors about really taking a stand for pro-life, articulating biblically and educating people, not just saying we're pro-life and so is God, next subject, but really educating people like you've done here. And after the meeting, the gentleman who pastored the largest charismatic church in that state, somebody who I knew of, of course I was unknown, he didn't know who I was, he came to me and put his head on my shoulder and began to weep. Wow. And I, you know, instinct, I was a, you know, he's, I was a much younger man than he was. And I put my arm around him and he said, this is what he said to me in my ear. He said, I know they won't follow me. Well, that was, that was a catharsis moment for me. I said, do I ever want to do anything where I just have an audience and I don't have an army? Wow. And here's this man broken hearted because he realized he had put something together where he had an audience. Wow. I mean, and for him to have to share that. Now, no one else heard what was going on. They saw what was happening, but they didn't know what right, was being right. said. And I've always protected his identity with that. But uh, I will tell you this. was a good. He did go back, and he did launch into a thing. And that church ended up being very active mm. in their community and even their state. He, he ended up having a large voice. Matter of fact, one of the the one of the men on his staff that came out of that church ended up really having a national voice. Wow! So, so it was yeah. a that was a breakthrough moment for him. It, it was it was an amazing moment. But I think this is what we're seeing a lot of uh, a weakness. I think of a lot of leadership today in the local churches is we're trying to uh, take public opinion polls on where the congregation is. Mm-hmm. Or sir, you know, I hear pastors say, "Well, I surveyed the congregation." I'm yeah. like, why are you surveying uh, yeah. people? You're supposed to be leading. There's not, yes. a, there's not a clarity. No. And so people can't follow something that they don't right. hear a clear sound right. on. Well, I always say we play to the audience of one. We, mm-hmm. You know, we gather together on Sunday. There's only one person we have to please. If we please him, we have a chance of really good things happening. Absolutely. If we don't please him, it doesn't matter how slick we are, how cool we are, how sophisticated we are, how smart we are. Yeah. It's going to fall to the ground. It's not yeah. going to work. I remember we were doing one of our starting point classes for new people, and I never will forget this. We go around and say, hey, you know, Keith, what have you enjoyed about Living Stones, you know? And um, we've had a number of interesting comments over the years, but two that stick out. One said, this is the first time I've felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in years. Wow. And he said, I'm I'm grateful. Yes. I'm like, wow, yeah, yes. we want the Holy Spirit yes. to be working with us and yes. helping us. And I think of another lady who said this. She said, we could have gone to this church or this church or this church, but the reason we're here is because this church makes us uncomfortable in a good way. We know that we're being challenged. Yeah. And that's what the Word of God is. And that's not, yes. that's not uh, tooting our horn. That, that's just preaching right. the Word of God and playing to it. Well, that's how change happens. Anybody in psychology or behavioral sciences will tell you, you know, there's only two ways people change. Either change by pain 
you know, and the pain of staying the same yeah. is, is worse than the pain of changing, right? right? That's right. called conviction. Yeah. That's John 16, yep. you know, and the other is, is vision. And that's the 1% people. That's, that's our, that's your hyper steroid leaders that can literally change something by vision without some pain compliance being, right. <laughs> being right. applied. So, you know, th there's truth to that. And, and one of the things that I challenge leaders with is, when was the last time you preached yourself under conviction? Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> like, well, I'll be honest, when I'm preaching, I'm like, you know, I've, I've literally preached and run to the altar after I was done preaching. <laughs> well, I've told our people even this last week, I said, I've hoped you've enjoyed this series as much as I have because most of the sermons I preach are preaching oh, to myself first. Absolutely. And I hope you get something out of it. I got one last question for you. Are we in for one another great awakening in America? Where do, where do you feel like we're at? I do. Oh, I, I here's why I believe it. it. has nothing to do with America. I believe it because the church I see in scriptures has not arised yet. It has not. She has not been unveiled. So we're not looking at cultural indicators. Right. We're looking at the church. Yeah, and I challenge people, you know, on their eschatology. No matter what you believe in eschatology, we could have a great conversation, but you have to believe in a victorious church because that's the point we have to meet on. Come on. You have to believe in a victorious church. And right now that church... We have pockets of victory, we have moments of victory, but we're not having cultural impact in victory like we need to. So that's the barometer. Yeah. He said in you know Acts 2, he's waiting for his enemies. He made his footstool. He's not waiting for the European Union to print new currency. <laughs> okay? So and that people, might happen. Yeah. And, and, people, and people smarter than I am you know, know yeah, things yeah, yeah. about that. But people, people bring up... You know, uh, well, doesn't the Bible say that it's going to get darker, or that things are going to be everything that can be shaken will mm -hmm. be shaken? And you know, it kind of, it kind of, you know, will anyone have faith on the earth when Jesus returns? Um, and and those are all part of it. Mm -hmm. But the part that they leave out of there is God's not leaving His church; His, His presence will still be with us, and and we we are going to be victorious. In fact, there's, we should go from glory to glory to glory. Yes. So we're not supposed to fold up the tent and hide in our houses, right. and you know, right? And we're, uh, we're to rule in the midst of our enemies. Yeah. And, and that's where God will get the greatest glory. So the church I see in Scripture, she has not yet emerged. And so, you know, God is, God's timetable is not the world. God's timetable is his bride. Yeah. And yeah. we get to be a part of that. Yeah. What a crazy privilege that is. So, we, so we're re really living in some amazing opportunistic times. That's, that's really how you have to look at it. It is. The, to me, I look at, you know, the darker things get, the brighter the light's going to shine. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've always heard this, you know, the Lord only allows his glory and his perfect name to be trampled for so long. And then and then he says, enough's enough. Right. For, for his name's sake yes. and for the sake of his bride. Yes. Uh, and so that's where my confidence yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Any last words, last hurrah, last message to somebody who might be watching today? Jesus is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he'll do if you'll open your heart. Amen. Pray for us, will you? Amen. Lord, we thank you for the sound, Lord, of these words and the technology to share this with people. Your words are life. And Lord, I speak to friends out there who need life right now. Death is trying to encompass, the, and the enemy is trying to beat them into submission on an installment plan. And Lord, I just pray your spirit would touch them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, they would see who you are. They would hear your voice. Those that have had scriptures put in them, maybe they've neglected for years. Right now, the Holy Spirit, like a lightning strike, would hit their heart, Lord, and cause a, a brush fire in their heart, God. And they would get reconnected back to the body of Christ because it's your bride, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. 
I want to thank Pastor Keith for being with us today. I also want to mention that by the time you're probably watching this, uh, we will only be a week or so away from our national conference for yes. men, our Band of Brothers Conference. It's October 1st through 3rd. It's going to be phenomenal. We've got uh, probably our biggest crowd yet of men gathering. There's just something transformational about that. Pastor Keith will be ministering a number of times as well as uh, other men from our network. It's going to be a great time. If you know, if you're a man and you're listening or you're married to one, uh, uh, make sure you uh, get on the website, lstones.org. Check it out. Uh, register ASAP. We'd love to have you there. It's going to be absolutely powerful. Also, let me just mention too, we'd love to hear your comments as this is aired. Uh, please comment, give us some feedback. Uh, we will respond to you. Uh, and lastly, make sure you like it and you share it uh, so that you can help other people who, who you think might really benefit from this podcast uh, to, to be able to enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening in. Let's make sure we pursue the Lord with reckless abandon this week. And I love Pastor Keith's reminder that, you know what, there's somebody out there waiting to hear about Jesus for the first yes, time. Yes, there really um, is. And, uh, and where would he be if, if a couple Hallelujah. of crazy uh, uh, folks, uh, kooks, wouldn't have showed up in his neighborhood and preached the gospel. Amen. So let's make sure uh, we go out and love people this week. All right? We look forward to being together with you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye.